Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Free Solo is an edge-of-your-seat thriller and an inspirational portrait of an athlete who challenges uh, both his body and his beliefs on a quest to triumph over the impossible, revealing the personal toll of excellence. As the climber begins his training, the armor of invincibility he's built up over decades unexpectedly breaks apart when we find Alec Hunnold begins to fall in love, threatening his focus and giving way to injury and setbacks. Uh, and that is the basic part of this incredible film about a man who decides to take on one of the most challenging climbs, perhaps the most challenging climb in the world, conquering El Capitan and Yosemite. And that was Alex Hunholt. And uh, we're joined today by one of the directors of this terrific film called Free Solo. And that would be Chai Vassarelli. Chai, welcome back to film school. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's you're, nice to be back. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, wow. Uh, really, truly, it's visually just a dynamic, wonderful, beautiful film, uh, in addition to all of the sort of human elements of it and the, just the sheer craziness of what this man is t- attempting to do that really infuses this film with its drama and its humanity as well. Uh, what I know you've obviously with Maru, which we didn't mention, but you, you also you and Jimmy Chen dire- co-directed that film as well. I, so you're you're familiar with mountain climbing and the rigors and all the challenges. Uh, what happened in terms of your? How did this come to you? Um, you and uh, this Alex Honholtz uh, decision to to climb El Capitan. Well, I'm you know I I'm not a climber. I'm married to a climber and I work with a climber. Right. You know. Um, so Jimmy and Alex have known each other for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And there's this story about Alex that as a kid, he found it scarier to talk to another person and ask them to be his partner than to go out and climb without a rope because he had no partner. Yeah. Um, and that like, we, always moves me, and I feel like everyone has some, that fear in their lives, something, yeah. you know. And here is the story about this incredibly geeky, scared, awkward, reclusive kid who works through his fears methodically, learns how to hug, learns how to eat vegetables, to ultimately be able to climb El Cap 3,000 feet with no rope. So we always just thought that this film had the potential to tell him like a, like a deeper and universal story that would raise questions about a life of intention, like living a good life, living a life well-lived. So we were, you know, we are finishing up Meru, and, I don't know, we were flirting with this film for a long time, and it, it took us, I don't know, quite a while to commit because of the dangers involved. Yeah. Well, well, Alex himself, in fact, was certainly had reservations about this climb. He had, uh, over a number of years, had looked at the mountain as, a, as an opportunity to do this, and and had not done it. Um, do you? What was it? Was there something specific that 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 he said? I'm ready for it. Was it because he'd spent so much time prepping? What What was it that he he made the decision to move forward at the time that he did? Well, I mean, in the film, you see him practicing like vigorously for a year and a half. Right. I think he was ready, and I think. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he, he's 33, he's not getting younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a certain moment that he felt like it was finally time. Like he had, it was kind of the last thing on his list that he still wasn't addressed, hadn't addressed, and, you know, he had put in the work. So like, that was the big thing. He always said, like, we have to put, I have to put in the work to know. So we entered into this, like, and he was putting in the work. And, you know, I'm sure the film was, like, in a strange way, also a motivator. He also never felt like there was anything worthy of making a film about him except for free soloing El Cap, which we would tell him often is not the case. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it was very important to us to minimize the pressures of the film. But, yeah, I think he was ready, yeah. you know. There's a fair amount of discussion in the film about that point exactly that you made it clear to him, you know, and the crew did as well and all the people around him. There's no reason in the world you have to do this if you think in any way, shape or form it's going to somehow impact the progression or lack of progression for the film, which I thought is just an interest. I mean, the whole thing is very interesting dynamic because it's a very close knit community of people who do this are there can't be more than a handful in the entire world who do this well he's the only person in the world who can do what he did right right but i mean in terms of free soloing and maybe for our audience for people who are just vaguely familiar with mountain climbing um let's let's differentiate between what we traditionally see people with ropes and and what we're talking about here Yes, people traditionally climb mountains with ropes and harnesses and protection, like you you clip your carabiner into things. You know, it's like you have a a safety net, like a safety redundancy network to catch you if something goes wrong. Free soloing means going up with no ropes, only your hands and feet. (laughs) And so it's just dramatically different. It is dramatically Um, different, yes. Yeah. Uh, and you and we see other we see film of other uh, mountains that he's climbed he's free soloed and I know that El Capitan for a lot of reasons we can get into some of those uh, in a minute but all of them look insanely dangerous to me and the fact that he has conquered so many of these mountains free solo uh, by via f- free solo it's uh, pretty remarkable let's talk about El Capitan and why it is. Uh, uniquely thought it's sort of the the gold standard the the Rosetta Stone whatever it is of the, of the mountain climbing community and why is that? Well, it's like thir- it's you know thirty two hundred feet of great granite, you know, which the ex- accessibility is rather easy and it's absolutely beautiful. So like El Cap, like Yosemite in general, became has got this like very very special place in climbing where, like, you're, everyone has to come to Yosemite to, like, prove themselves in the climbing world, prove to yourself. Um, and the rock is very good, meaning it doesn't crumble. It's granite, so it's strong. Um, and there are just so many different options in Yosemite. So El Cap definitely is, like, the mecca. It's the one. It's the icon- most iconic wall and probably in the world. And, you know, there's also a personal reason, because Alex came, you know, began going to Yosemite as a kid with his dad. And I think, you know, he's just always been enchanted by El Cap. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. I think that the, the allure of Yosemite is just the beauty, the grandeur of that of that uh, setting um, is spectacular. It is just a remarkable place to be. It, it's so beautiful. Like, I always joke, like, you can, it's like where unicorns come from. Or, like, you can imagine dinosaurs in the valley. Like, it just has this, like, prehistoric, ageless 
timeless beauty to it. Yeah. Um, and this, and the, the scale is something that is very, very hard to comprehend. If you haven't been to Yosemite, you really should. I, I was fortunate if I lived in Mammoth for a few years and got up to Yosemite a couple of times while I was there. And, and there's nothing like it. As as uh, as Alex d- describes in the film, it's it's uh, one of the most beautiful places, if not one, of, if not the most beautiful valley mm-hmm. in the world. There's a, there are, again, there's el- the elements of mountain climbing, his preparation and all that are in the film, as well as a beautiful backstory, as well as a current story of his life and how as a person he has changed has he where he came from but also in the course of the film we see him in the midst of a relationship did, did you have to make any decisions to include that or was it part of how the the, the process how did you well when we started this film alex was internet dating he was setting up dates for every stop of his book tour so I was like, we've got a comedy on our hands. Like, Alex, the guy who climbs in no ropes, is inviting girls back to his van. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, and then he met Sonny, which I think, like, honestly brings the life to the movie. Like, there's, Sonny is remarkable. She has an emotional intelligence that's unique. She's articulate about that emotional intelligence. And she is self-confident enough to stand up for herself and thus be able to also love Alex for who he is. So there is something that happens, and, that, and this is like one of those cra- like wonderful, enchanting things about documentary when something unexpected happens, where they actually, like, we were filming. She, was in, she entered the scene, and they felt, fall in love over the time that we're making this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, she was provided a way that people, other people could react to Alex, so he wasn't alone. And I think the film crew also works that way because we were all reacting to him. Right. Um, and also all working on intimacy with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was getting more intimate with him. The filming was asking these very deep questions. And it was this, I don't know, like this process for Alex. But I think the, the real magic of it is that you see Alex emotionally evolve in the time span of the film. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Chai Vassarelli. She, along with Jimmy Chin, are the co-directors of a new film that is coming out today here in Los Angeles at the Arc Light in Los Angeles. And in fact, you and Alex will be in town for a Q and A uh, at the Arc Light in Los Angeles uh, for the film. Is there a particular screening, or, or are you here just for one night? Um, we're here all weekend, all weekend. and the, um, the website lists which screenings we're doing Q&As. I think we're doing a lot, and, you know, it, it's exciting. The mm-hmm. film is also uh, being produced by National Geographic, or their, what's their role in? in um... Um, National Geographic financed the film, Okay, and they were wonderful partners. They're, you know, it's very, it was a very specific type of partner we were looking for who could understand the scope of the production we hoped for, as well as accept the risks involved and keep it a secret for three years. It was that I, I was going to ask you about some of that, but I want to go back to Sandy for just a second because, sure. as you described that, that is such an important part of the film mm-hmm. because uh, we we hear a little bit about Alex and his background and it, sort of the the father may or may not have been an Asperger's uh, had had Asperger's certainly emotionally uninvolved. Uh, it sounds like he came from the background he came from was. He was uh, predisposed to essentially closing down himself emotionally in terms of the way he interacted with other people. And you're absolutely right. Seeing her come along at that time 
especially from a filmmaking perspective, because he does open up. He does the honesty between the two of them is, I'm sure, for both of them, a challenge at times. But at the same time, she has such a great disposition that she doesn't seem she doesn't seem to waver in her sort of journey to make to to see him come out of his this this place that he's in and open up to her and it and it's it's playful but it's also serious at the same time and he it feels like he incorporates her what she's bringing to his life into what he's doing with his life as well is that Mm -hmm. fair no i think it's totally fair and i think it's really her agency and the fact that she is at one enough has enough self-confidence that ended up being very valuable uh you know, in the film. Yeah. That, so she has, she's active. Like, she has agency in these discussions. Right. And she helps ground him. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, as the, as their relationship evolves, they start making plans for the future, which mm-hmm. is, which is wonderful. And again, she's great energy in the film. A great, she seems like a great personality. Why was it important? You mentioned that the secrecy behind, uh, for, uh, during the production, um, uh, was this something that got a lot of attention at the time it happened, or what? What was the sort of um, the feeling that you needed to keep uh, this sort of a secret? Um, it had to be kept a secret to minimize the pressure on Alex. Okay, um, no one could know because if people had expectations or were asking him or were speculating on social media, I mean, it would have been horrible. Oh, I'm sorry, I I'm, yeah. I took that the wrong way. You mean you mean in the lead up to his attempt uh, yes. to, to scale? Yes. I got you. Yes. I thought the lead up afterwards. I mean, everyone knew. Okay, but um, we had to minimize the pressure around him. In the last minute or so, I have with you. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, your filmmaking, obviously, Maru was a it was a, f- a film about mountain climbing, but you've done other films uh, that weren't about mountain climbing. Do, is this a, is this a sort of an area that you want to continue to explore, or are you looking to expand? You know, you did Yasser Nador. Um, I even butchered his name. How do you say Yusu Ndor? Yusu Ndor. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But it was, it was a good try. Yusu, <laughs> thank you. Yusu Ndor, uh, I bring what I love. love. I mean, are you sort of looking beyond Free Solo into other sort of more documentaries? Are you looking at features? Because I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. Because you have a great eye and, and a great sense of how to put together a story, you and Jimmy both. Uh, it it feels this is more than just a National Geographic climbing up the side of a mountain. There's so much more involved in this film, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious where you see your future as a filmmaker. Well, I think all my films, I have a very deep personal connection to it. Like they have very important personal meaning to me. Mm-hmm. Like Yusu Endor was about you know, in post nine eleven was about showing a different side of Islam that was incredibly tolerant and telling the story about bravery in the face of religious intolerance. Mm-hmm through the most, you know, iconic and wonderful African pop star out there. Yeah. You know, in normal life, my first film was about six friends after the war in Kosovo, and I was always obsessed with the Dayton Accords and what happened in Yugoslavia, and it was important to what I was studying. And this has been, you know, I got married to a mountain climber. And, <laughs> you know, Meru was a no-brain, like, you know, it's a Shakespearean story. Yes, it, is, it, it was so meaningful. We fell in love during making that film. Um, and... In that case, I was like, I have this skill that I have honed over, like, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, and I would like to help Jimmy make tell his story in the most articulate, beautiful way possible. So that was Meru. And then with Alex, like, it was just this, this I really believe in the the opportunity in his story to talk about some deeper questions about a life of intention, about what are you doing with your life that 
fear can be moved through. Like, these were things that really moved me personally. But, no, I, I think that we are definitely moving. Um, I will, nonfiction will always – I love nonfiction, but I don't know – I can't say we'll never make another mountain climbing movie, but we're definitely interested in some other subjects right now. Yeah. I see the thread of sort of spirituality, as you say, a life of purpose in in all the films that I've seen of yours. So I can understand why it's so important to you and it was important to Alex. And now one last question. Mm-hmm. How's Alex doing? Is he is he satisfied? Is he thinking of new worlds to conquer? Uh, what's he up to? Well, I always I can't really speak for Alex, but he's doing well, and I think that he is very much living in this moment. He is yeah. like incre- like all of us. He's incredibly humbled by the attention the film is getting, mm-hmm. and he really likes watching the end of the film because he relives the climb again, and it's this like amazing thing. The same smile crosses his face, and you know, so I mean, he's been in great sport, and I think he, there's just like a lot of humility that he's bringing to this moment. It's a it's a fantastic documentary. The Thank the uh, the praise on uh, to for it has been um, remarkable and a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I know some people don't like to me to say Rotten Tomatoes out loud, but it it's obviously very well regarded. It did great at Sundance, and and it will here in the in the uh, in the marketplace as well. Free solo opening tonight at the ArcLight in Los Angeles, and you and Alex will be there for Q and A's at, at the theater. So please check the uh, Arc Light website, check that for that. And also the National Geographic website has more information about the film and screenings. Well, uh, Chai Vassarelli, thank you again for this work, and, um, and I look forward to future work. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.